0: Today, my special guest is Crystal Graves, a salon owner and the recent founder of All Hair Academy. So we're very excited to talk about her new project, and I'm so excited to have you here. Crystal, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. We've been working on this date for a long time. You're a busy girl.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. But I'm so grateful that you've been patient with me.
0: You're definitely worth the wait, and you were so amazing to jump on to my very last minute, very spontaneous pop up that we did on Facebook. We were able to help so many stylists that were, you know, home because of COVID and being out of work, and it was such a great introduction to you and all of your amazing ideas on your bridal specialty. I was blown away. I heard things that I have never heard. I have always steered clear of brides, to be perfectly honest. They're not my favorite thing, but you are so smart about, you know, doing everything ahead of time and having contracts and, you know, all the things that you hear people complain about that come along with doing bridal parties, you have completely made all that go away just by sheer organization. So kudos to you for that. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I think it's because, um, my, my big girl job was corporate America. So everything mm. is very system-oriented. Um, so I, all that carried over when I decided to go to, you know, get into hair at 28. So,
0: Oh, that's... do tell. I didn't realize that you were a later into uh, hair. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, so I did not. I started um, when I was 27. Yes, yeah, so I did, I did traditional education. Um, I decided to go to college for education. Um, when I finished, I worked um, at the university with Minorities and Sciences, the University of Missouri-Columbia, um, for five and a half years and really stumbled back into hair. Um, I've been doing hair forever, like for my family. And my mom told me at 15 I'd be a hairdresser. And I was like,
0: no, because hairdressers are dumb. Um, mm. So that would not be me. That's interesting that it was you who had that story and not mom. I love that because yeah. so many people who have worked – with me in the past at my salon when they got into the industry a little bit later, it was because mom, dad, aunt, sister, brother, whoever it was in the family were like, you are not going to beauty school. You're never going to make any money. You're too smart for that. So it's interesting that you were the one that thought that.
1: Yeah. My mom was like, this is what you're, you're set to do. I'm like, Nope. I remember going to the hair salon probably like 14 and, um, What she did, I felt like I could do and do better. And it took her a really long time. So I was like, "Um, I can do this myself. So I did my own hair, my whole family's hair. But I had no intention because the only business model I saw was work harder, not smarter. So I just knew that that was not what I wanted to do. Um, And then I ended up having a friend that opened up a salon. And I ended up coming on and doing like her marketing. And so I got really good at that. And another friend got married and she was running behind and she was like, Hey, do you think you can help me? And I was like, what are we doing? And she showed me a picture and I was like, Oh yeah. I just like whipped it up. And she was like, um, you should go to hair school. And I was like, no, I already have student debt. I don't need Mm. 17,000 more in cosmetology debt. No, thank you. Um, and then she literally harassed me for like a year um to get me to go to hair school and I was like nope not gonna do it we can look for other options and so we started researching and found out about apprenticeships and so in Missouri it is 3,000 hours not 1,500 so normally cosmetology school is 1,500 um but apprenticeship is 3,000 hours um so we she had to get certified to do that um we figured out like a structure Um, that would work for both of us because I had just had my daughter um, and I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom Um, I learned real
0: quick so not you no what were you (laughs) even thinking are you out of your mind (laughs) no I was like where are the people um so
1: after we figured out a way to make it work um I started an apprenticeship and then what was really cool is when I went in we had the clear understanding that I was going to booth rent when I was done like I didn't want to work for anybody. that was the structure of her salon. So it was like, great. But what happened is during that apprenticeship, I continued to do like the ordering, the, the marketing, the website. Um, and then when my, when I was done, she was like, well, I don't want to lose you. And I was like, well, I don't want to be an employee. Um, so we worked it out where I did booth rent, but I also did 15 hours a week as the salon manager and, and she paid me separately for that. Um, and we kept that going, um, for almost about two years. And then it was time to um, leave the nest. So
0: that's amazing. Having somebody like that, that's so capable and so excited to do those tasks that, you know, that, that was always the hardest thing of being a behind the chair colorist, as well as an owner, as your job just never ended. It was always, always something. And, and I think it starts to. Take away from the excitement of the hair because there's so many other things that are in the back of your mind while you're working that you can't really concentrate. So when we have someone like that, we're always so sorry to see them go. So then, what what happened after that?
1: Um, so after that, I ended up in a space um, still downtown in Columbia with two veteran hairstylists who had who really. Um, One was educator, so she was always gone. The other one um, had means, so she didn't really have to work a lot. So I found myself in the space alone, which was fine. Um, But it's really boring when you are um, by yourself. So that's why I find so interesting, like the whole new suite model thing. Because I like, I I need people. And I don't mean like people sitting in my chair. Like I need stylists. I need that creativity from other people. Um, So that really wore on me. And I was like, okay, well, what's next? And it was really just kind of staying with that. And then um, I fell into being a salon owner with people um, by a coincidence. Um, Someone was selling something at a salon that was closing. I remember I went to go buy a magazine rack and a booster seat for the child. And Carolyn was her name and it was Salon Genesis. And I went in and we talked and talked and talked. And, um, she walked me to my car and she was like, well, have you ever thought about owning a salon? I was like, Oh, I thought about it, but just the overhead, the people not interested. And she was like, well, what if I gave you everything? And I was like, well, then I might, you know, I would think about it. And she was like, I, you know, there's just something about you that I would, you know, if you want it, it's yours. So I was just like, I won't sell anything else in here. You just let me know. So, um, I went home and I, at that time I had two mentors, um, I asked the one to coffee um, and she'd been a client of mine forever. And since my apprentice days um, off of a Groupon and um, she owns a big allergy and asthma company here in town. And so I just told her, you know, the opportunity and she was like, well, what would it, I was like, things that work are corporate things, right? Like, and the reason why corporate things work is because they have structure, right? It's very branded. It's very meticulous. It's very structured. And that's how I knew I wanted my salon to be. And that cost money because I wanted to invest in those things. So I told her how much and she said, I'll give it to you. Um, You just tell me how you're going to pay it back. um, No interest. And we'll go from there. Um, So that was like check number one. And then um, at that time, the woman was a coach, but she was not my coach. Um, And I talked to her about it and she was like, you know, if you want to do this, I will help you write your handbook. I will onboard your 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 stylist for one year. Now, what was interesting about Angela was her onboarding process. So you know, like we all get like a handbook, and nobody reads it. Right, It goes in the back of your car. You never open it. And then when somebody's like, "Well, you weren't supposed to do this," you're like, "I know." And you're like, "It's in the handbook." Then <laughs> so she read the handbook to every employee. Like, they read through it. They checked off at the bottom. You could tell she worked for the federal government. Um, But it made it it very easy as a boss to be like, hey, John, this is this. And you know they know because you know they read it. So that was really awesome. Um, Now, did you inherit the staff of the salon that was
0: closing, or did you start with all I started
1: fresh. And the reason why I started fresh is because I actually asked Carolyn what her thought was, and she said get rid of them all.
0: Mm, it's like there's <laughs> one
1: person who would probably do well but I think he's already found a job um but they all have bad habits and she was not a hairstylist her daughter was so mm-hmm. she ended up buying the salon because her for her daughter and she just said it was just really hard because she didn't know hair and it's really hard to guide hairdressers because I think there's a sadly enough I think there's a little respect that's lost when your manager has not been behind the chair
0: yeah.
1: Um, so I think that was her struggle, even though she was trying to do what was best. It was really hard. So she said, let them all go. Um, so I did. Uh, and then my first employee, um, was actually, I went to the beauty schools cause I was like, you know, I really want to start with people who are going to get done Seriously. that i but I, but I meet them before they're done. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're always looking for some extra cash because you really can't work a lot in beauty school. Um, so I hired my first assistant. His name was James. He was so awesome, um, and he came and worked with me for his last six months, and then came and worked with me after. Um, so it was so. My thought process has always been to like get an apprentice and groom them up, or get them before they get out of hair school, and kind of work with them as they're working through state board, and then groom them up. Um, I don't really like veteran hairstylists. In the sense of like, I think it's really hard to
0: unteach bad habits. 100%. And I love that your first inclination was teach, um, mentor, all of that, because you know, every day you see people complaining about the same thing. I can't find any stylist. I can't. And it's like, they're not going to just show up at your door with a complete clientele and be all ready to go wrapped up in a bow. That's not how it works. And yeah. think about, how, you know, you five years from now would feel if someone poached your people that you brought up, you know, yeah. so that it's, it's really, everything's a little backwards when it comes to that. I always trained my own people from day one to your point. I didn't want anybody's bad habits. I didn't want to have to break anything. They were always like so eager and open to learning and it just made everything easier culture wise. And the culture was always hundred percent, the most important thing to me. Yeah.
1: And I think it makes a loyalty factor, especially with me starting. I felt like even with my apprentice supervisor um, and friend, I helped her paint the place. So you feel like there's some ownership associated with it. So I feel like when I first started with James, like there was this camaraderie because he's coming in and we're learning together. And when you, one thing I always did with every single employee that I had, I always asked them what their goal was. And I would say to them, if you, because booth rent was an option. I would always say if you work for me for more than five years without transitioning to booth rent, you're not meant to be here
0: mm.
1: because I don't, I just think that it's really hard to live someone else's dream and not get discouraged. Right. So like it, cause I'm okay with booth rent because I, I know there's a ceiling. So either it's going to be, they flourish so much that they want to, they see their potential and they want to go on their own. So either they're going to do it here or they're going to do it somewhere else. So why not let them do it here? Um, I had one lady, um, Marsha, she knew she wanted to do like a beard line. She was in the men. She went to barber school. She wanted to do like beard conditioning line. And what I learned is like, I have a great memory. So you meet people sitting behind the chairs. I met a client who was a chemist who was interested in making like lotions and I was like, Oh, Marsha's interested in making like a beard cream. And I connected them and Marsha got her beard cream. So that's like, amazing. and that's her dream. So when you ask someone what you want to do, like what's your dream in this, I want to be an educator or or whatever it is you really help them get there. And there's a certain level of um, appreciation that never leaves to this day. Marsha lives like, 200 miles from me. She's still my biggest cheerleader. We still talk all the time. When people leave my space, whether they go down the street and open up their own or away, I am friends with every single person that's ever worked
0: with me because it's not about me. Right. So. That's awesome. Thanks. So are you still an owner? Or is that still the situation that you're in or has it changed since then?
1: So I, I call, I, I am in a color collaborative space is what we call it. So I am in a space with three other stylists who are all independent owners. So we all are branded differently. Like on the door, it is all of our names, but it is a open concept salon. So there are no walls. Um, one of the stylists who works there was my apprentice. So she's, I taught her, she's been with me for five years. Um, she is building her own clientele. Um, But then she, I have such an overflow um, and all of my clients know her. So two days a week she works commission for me. So I just fill her books with my current clients only um, two days a week and then she's paid a commission rate for that. And then I have my separate wedding business um, which consists of independent contractors who are completely branded under me but work in separate places that both do hair and makeup Um, and there are seven of them so I get a contract from them at the beginning of the year they give me their dates and then I just book weddings according to their availability and then I book them and then they just show up um, on their for their gig and then they are paid a commission rate too. So I am not the traditional owner, like with employees on an everyday basis. um, But I do those two things.
0: Now, are you in a different location from that original
1: space? Yes. So we actually um, moved during COVID.
0: So we had, Oh, so it's pretty recent. Yes.
1: So we had found a space. So our old space was one of the stylists was up under us. And then the three of us were on top. So we were at two levels. The one up under us never wanted to be in a space with people anymore. She's been doing it for 26 years. And then when we became above, she was like, I feel left out. I want to be together. So we started <laughs> looking for one space. So we found it in November of last year. And we're, our lease wasn't up until um, May. So we knew we were going to move in April. And it was funny. We were moving over Easter weekend, so We were closing Friday and moving in on Monday. I mean, moving in Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then one of the stylists was starting to work on Monday. So COVID was really a blessing in disguise in the sense that we had all of this time to move in. I couldn't even imagine doing it, like, in that three-day weekend. So we are in a, in a new space. Um, it's really great because our old space, we would not have been able to do the six feet apart. Yeah. So this has made such a beautiful difference because we all have... Um, what would be considered a sweet room amount of space, but it is all open. Open.
0: That's cool. That sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. And we help each other. Like if you came in, you know, we all greet each other's clients. We offer the amenities. Um, we, I mean, we do everything together. Um, but we are all four different businesses.
0: Love that. There's there's been so many changes in the industry and it's all gotten a little confusing, but what I love about it is there is no ceiling anymore. You know, it used to be either suck it up and stay an employee and it is what it is. And there's only so much you can reach in commission before the owner then goes out of business. Uh, So I do like that there are more opportunities, but I don't like the, separateness and the in little rooms with doors and the and the closed off feeling of a suite I didn't like I did it for three months and it was not for me like like you were saying like I like the social and the you know bouncing things off each other and admiring each other's work and I think can
1: be,
0: can be lonely
1: and I also want to say like what's interesting is I think our industry is taking this whole commission thing as like Owners taking advantage of stylists. But like if you do your research and look at it, most people, it's mostly like a 60-40 split, right? A lot of times, sometimes like 50-50, whatever it is, like your owner is not making any more than you probably would if you were an owner. Yeah. Um, she's really taking, and they're, and they're a great owner. Um, they're taking the headache away from like your taxes, your 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 social media your ordering, you know, it, we have to be careful as an industry, um, to really recognize that as when you go become an owner, um, there's a whole lot that you don't have to do as a commission stylist. Um, so there's no right or wrong answer. I think it depends on the person, but I, I, I hate that for a while there, I think people are saying it differently now, but for a while there, it was like, everybody wanted to be their own boss because they thought that they were losing all of this money. Um, and that's just not the case. If you do the numbers, like I've never been a commission stylist, but I, I know my numbers. And if I look at my numbers, um, unless you're, unless you're, your your um, salon owner is losing money, like paying you too high of a commission, um, it's probably fair. Um, and, and there's a whole nother thing going around about like surcharges for product, but I think that's all. You can't use your state's model and apply it to everyone else. It's the same right. with like pricing,
0: right? And that—that's the other thing that drives me crazy on social, where people are like, "How much do you charge for a balayage?" I'm like, you know, there's rent is different, demographics different, cost of living is different. Everything is so different, and people just keep using the same model. Call three salons within a mile and, you know, disguise your voice and change your scramble your phone number so they don't know that you're calling. I'm like, really? In 2020, that's still a thing? Like, that's all we had back when I opened my salon in, you know, 1989. That was the only measurement you had because we didn't even have computers or cell phones. So you had no idea what your neighbors were charging, but it doesn't matter what your neighbor is charging. You have to do you and you have different experience and different costs of products and, and all of those things. Different amenities.
1: There are so many things that go into pricing. Um, and I just wish I was talking to someone like there's so much judgment on social, um, that it makes it really hard to be authentic. Um, and I, it makes me sad. So one thing that I've learned in the last year, um, that has actually made my social so much better is like, it is what it is. This is me love me or hate me, you know, and that has really changed because I think over, um, we've just, we were such a prim and perfect and we still are, but I think people are getting like getting more authentic, even though social was supposed to be that way. Um, so I'm liking the change of authenticity and even for me, like I just write what I want. Like my yours is
0: always so positive though. And it's so not, like I can see through when people are putting something trying to be a certain way and trying to have it so orchestrated. You can see right through that. And it doesn't build no like, and trust the way that you want social media to. I'm really amazed at how many stylists have built their business from Instagram if I had to depend on Instagram for my business I would be doing a much different job <laughs> because I just do I don't know if it's my age I know there's different demographics but Instagram and I do not connect like I've never gotten a single client from Instagram my salon didn't get sing, a single client from Instagram but other people build their entire following on it right out of beauty school so I don't I don't get it and I think it's the age of the demographic because I
1: always tell people Um, Instagram for me is before I decided that I wanted to be an educator and and create the all hair Academy and do coaching Instagram for me was literally like a lookbook. So I looked at Instagram as if someone, you meet someone and they say, oh, I do hair. And you're like, oh, you know, I'm a wedding specialist and colorist. Here's my Instagram. You could open up my photo album, my portfolio. That's what Instagram was for me. And then Facebook is where I connect with my clients. Like, that is where my clients lived. Um, That is where um, the networking happened for me. It was not on Instagram. It is still the case for me as far as butts in my chair. And I think what people have forgotten about Instagram is, like, who you're talking to. Like, right? So I see a lot of stylists post about, like, their formula and And this drives me
0: crazy. Your
1: client doesn't care what a seven. And and
0: nor should she. (laughs)
1: Yeah. They don't know what, a they don't know this term. They just know I like this front. It's like, if you're not trying to, I really think with Instagram, if you're not trying to educate or attract stylists as an owner, a lot of times Instagram may not be the platform for you. Or if you have a young following, like I think maybe if you have like this college age group of people, that's kind of where they live and a certain kind of hair. But let's be 100 and I, um, money lies in gray coverage.
0: Mm, amen. Um, I'll take the gray then- coverage lady all day long over the twice a year balayage girl.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> me too. And it's like, I show pictures of balayage um, on my Instagram. Um, but when you go, if you go to my Facebook page, I literally talk about like touch-ups covering your wisdom. I talk about like the things that really target the people that are the butts in my chair. Um, and I think that's where all hair Academy is going to be great for stylists really coaching to them as to what is it that you're really trying to do. And I think people don't know what they're really trying to do and I think there's a whole nother spin on like, what's your niche? Your niche is not necessarily like, oh, I do gray coverage. Your niche is really, who are you? What makes you unique? Because nowadays, you're not necessarily selling that you're a colorist or a precision cut person. You're really selling yourself. And you happen to be a specialist in these things. So when you sew up on social, your niche is you. So you have to be authentic because if you're this whole different person and then someone comes to your chair and they're like, oh my God, you're like a negative Nancy, but you're so positive online.
0: Mm.
1: It doesn't work. Or if you're like, oh, I like, you know, matcha and whatever. And then they sit in your chair and you're like, oh, I, I, I know you like all this green tea stuff. And you're like, who? Like you, think <laughs> you have to be really careful. So people who know me, like when you said I'm positive, that is me 100% of the time. Unless I'm at home yelling at my kids, um, but behind the chair, in public, all the time, I am. This is me. Like I am always positive. Um, so when you sit in my chair, this is that's what you get. So it, so I think people need to realize that like whatever you're putting out there, it better be who you really are. Especially if you're trying to grow a clientele, because one of two things are going to happen. One, somebody's going to sit in your chair and realize that you're like false, or two, they're going to sit in your chair and you're going to have a
0: group of people that you don't like because you I weren't authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think because you're so genuine, authentic, and so just positive and happy to help and all those things, look at all the amazing things that have happened for you. And anyone who doesn't understand, The secret and, you know, positive thoughts and being a positive person, that's a testament right there to, you know, you needed to move and then not that you would ever wish COVID, but you saw the silver lining in the situation and were able to effortlessly go into your new space. And um, you have this wonderful new program and you've also been on a ton of podcasts recently and that was not planned, but it's because you're this big toothy, gorgeous smile girl that we see on social media. So we're like, hey, come on our podcast. And now you have this program and you have these platforms to be able to share what you're doing and you didn't even have to think about it. So it's the people that are like, how can I do this? And, and how can I push, push, push? And when you, when you constantly are pushing and you're not authentic and you're just going after the money and going after the attention and, and however you're doing something, when it doesn't work out is when you realize you're just going about it all the wrong way. So let's talk more about the All Hair Academy because it's so brand new and I'm so excited for you. You're, you're already sold out. at your first time doing it. So that's amazing because you, people do things for, you know, three years and, and have crickets. So that's a true uh, compliment to what you're doing. Thank you. Um, So really, the All Hair Academy
1: is basically allowing stylists to understand that you have to diversify to multiply. Um, And so basically, my whole entire career has been understanding that hair is hair. Um, And if you want to make more money, but work less, you really have to create these systems, understand your worth, charge your worth, and then create an experience. So I feel like Um, there are a thousand hairstylists and they are making a thousand more a day. Um, so you have to realize what it is about you that is going to allow, um, people to want to be in your, um, in your chair. So we talk about the power of networking, um, the power of style shoots, how you actually utilize style shoots to um, grow your portfolio and how you use it to um, become um, a name in your community. I think one of the biggest things that we're forgetting while we spend so much time on social, it's about really being plugged into your community, which allows that will elevate you as a owner, like your salon giving back. Um, so understanding how networking within your community, not just how social media really will elevate your brand. Um, it also covers hair techniques. So one of the big parts, um, about the All Hair Academy is it's really for all hair. So I'm going to talk about, um, how to do the same style on four different hair techniques. Um, I'm going to talk about, um, how to finish on four different hair techniques. And I think what's really cool is that, um, I wanted to just focus on a small group. So there are, to this time, it was seven spots. Um, and mostly because I, there's one on one coaching throughout the entire thing, there's homework and assessments, there's a discovery call at the beginning where I really get to know them and their learning style. And I hope to like gear the coaching toward that. Um, and then really, it's diverse. So it is really 50 50. So I have a, a very different dynamic of backgrounds from both East Coast, Central, um, South, and um, West Coast. So it'll be cool to kind of mesh those. And it's really set up as a mastermind group. So it's not just about me educating them on my experiences, but it's all of us talking together um, and working together to help each other get to the next level. So it's not just me using the roadmap that I created, but Um, depending on where you are there's different hurdles so being able to talk without judgment um, and meeting people where they are was my biggest um, the most important part to me so I think that's kind of the biggest thing and then we talk about a social media plan Um, like you said I'm really structured so I plan everything so from my when I set out to do a styled shoot I literally plan every single caption um, and then from there, I then plan my style shoot. So then I, they just go together when they're done, they're done. So I can plan it, leave it, and then focus on the other things. So really teaching them how to come up with a social media plan, um, that you can be one and done. Um, and then how to understand your analytics. So I think a lot of times with social media, we throw it out there, but we mm. never do the research to figure out what's working. Like we never test anything. So we post every day at nine o'clock. But we don't, at the end of the month, say, okay, how did that do? Or what is my audience like? Like really looking through your Facebook analytics and your Instagram. Um, and then I'm really tech savvy. Um, so I am always researching um, the new technology. I have a, um, uh, a newsletter from the, one of the major tech companies that tells you all the new features that are coming out within Facebook, within Instagram, the new
0: platforms what they're planning on. So like it exhausting. It's like never and you just get a handle on it and they make a change yep. and it's like this is a full-time job. It's yes. exhausting. It's
1: always. And then you have to decide what's right for your audience. So it's instru- like TikTok, right? TikTok is a big thing. I know my audience, right? And my audience is not going over to TikTok. I don't need to go create a bunch of TikToks because that is not my target market. Right. They were not Snapchatters. They were not TikTokers. So I don't need to spend all this energy on TikTok. So I think once you understand who your ideal client avatar is, then you know as things pop up if this is something you need to dive into. Or no, that's that, that's not my age group or my demographic. So I think we don't even know a lot of times who we're talking to. So then you're always down a rabbit hole.
0: Mm-hmm
1: um so that's one of the big things that the aha academy and it's like that's so it's aha like having aha moment Oh, i
0: didn't even notice that little acronym
1: i love it even more now thank you thank you so it's like really having the ahas are what get us through right those are the things that we realize that are the game changers within our business and sometimes you don't even know those blind spots Um, So that's the goal of it. And I have managed to, in eight years, um, build a 100, like, I'm booked um, about eight weeks out um, with five to 10 people on a wait list. I have 91% retention rate. Um, I did three price increases last year and didn't lose a single person. Um, And I want to teach people how to do that but meet them where they are. Because I think even in teaching people how to do that, it's still going to look different for different people. There's no perfect formula, but if I can talk them through where they are and where they want to be, I think I can give that guidance. And if not me, maybe one of the other six people in the group has some insight. So I really love that masterminding um,
0: idea. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there is a lot of, different, very strong opinions on the price increase. We just had it in our um, insider membership. Uh, my advice after doing it for 30 years, I've always had it turn out much better, not doing the parade, the fanfare, the emails, the stickers on the mirrors, all the announcements. I simply say, when you walk your guests to the front desk, say the new price, and if you get a you know, look, you say, there's been a slight increase, and you smile and you don't apologize, and they say, "Oh, okay," and they write out their check or they give you their card or whatever. So one of the members said, "I, you know, I disagree with that. That's that's blindsiding someone." And she had this whole argument, and I said, "There's no right or wrong. To your point, everybody has a different way of doing it. I've done it all. I've done the back in the Fred Flintstone days when I opened my salon, you had to write out a handwritten note card and send it in the mail to get it to your client because we didn't have." texting or email or anything like that. And I just found the more of a, an apologetic approach that we gave it, the more backlash we got and the more fight people had in them about it. And when we just said, just like when you go to the grocery store and, you know, all of a sudden your produce is 50 cents more, you either get it or you don't get it. And you don't go up to the front desk and say, what do you mean? You raised your price. You know, it just doesn't happen in any other industry. So. And I do mine a combination of
1: both. So I don't do any fanfare or anything like on there, but what I do do is I set a date for the price increase. So like, whatever, Um, August one, the prices are going to go up. But when I decide that I go ahead and change them on the website. So anybody booking that's new, will get the new price. And then for my clients that are always on my books, I just say, when, when I go to check them out, I say, you know, today your haircut is 63. Um, I did a price increase. So the next time you come in, it's going to be 71. And so they know it coming in, but they pay that price then. And I can literally tell you last year, like I said, I did three, I might've had one person say, Oh, you've, um, you've done a lot of price increases this year. And I said, you know, I did a lot of investing in my education. So the combination of education and the cost of living, it ended up being three. Like, I mean, again, no like, apology, no stuttering, yeah. no sweating. <laughs> yeah, but We're the only industry that like, we don't get raises and yeah. we're afraid to, it's like everybody gets a cost of living raise. And just like yeah. you said, you don't go to the big box store and, and negotiate the price, you know? And I
0: think you teach your clients how to treat you, how to treat you a hundred percent. What yeah. you allow will keep being repeated over and over again and we could go on and on about boundaries and all those other things and that's why it's wonderful that you know there are people like you that are wanting to be a coach a mentor and a leader because you have such a combination of coming from that corporate background to have that little bit of structure that really can can hold up in a salon situation and make a big difference because when there's chaos and no structure and no rules you're going to have a lot of issues pop up left and right no matter what you try to do um what would what advice would you give to 20 year old crystal contracts are key oh i love that because i've learned a lot from you with that with getting that in writing you always feel like a nudge when you're so formal with things, yep. but it really does take away those gray areas. It sets both parties up for success. Yep.
1: And I think that's it, especially when doing business with friends. So it's so funny, like even with my apprenticeship, like we literally had a contract and the reason why was because as you go through things, especially you become friends with your boss or, or whatever, there's an emotional aspect. Right. But if you say, Oh, you're supposed to be doing this and you're like, no, I'm not, but you pull out like the expectations and you're like, Oh, see right here. There's no argument, like there's no right or wrong. Like we both agreed to it. It's here in writing. Move on. So I would say um contracts are key with 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 weddings, with clients, with consulting, um, because expectations are out there. And if if you are both have agreed to those expectations, then you you have a standard to hold each other to.
0: So I love that. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I'm going to be hearing big things about AHA. Uh-huh. I can already see the the baseball cap, the water bottle, the branding, the AHA uh-huh branding. And I know you do because I know you've been thinking about this stuff nonstop. Yes. And your little wheels are always turning. Yes. Um, but that's what's amazing. And that, that's what this industry is all about. And that's why I love it so much. After 34 years, I still leap out of bed with a new idea, a new passion, a new something, it's forever evolving and forever changing and it never gets boring. So your fifteen year old little self, <laughs> your mom your mom knew that you were meant to be in this crazy but wonderful business. And we're lucky to have you. I'm happy you. I'm happy that you and I met. I love that we have our little banter through social media. One of these days we'll meet in person. That yes. Would be nice. <laughs> um, I know that's
1: but, what's so funny. It's like you you become friends with people and then it's like You've never even like physically been in their space. So it's, it's in my VA, we talk all the time, but I've never physically met her and it's been, you know, a year and a half. So it's just really, it's really different.
0: And she's your right arm. That's amazing. It's probably better that you're not too close together. That's why you get along.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah,
0: maybe we should all have virtual marriages and just talk <laughs> on Facetime and and have nice little chats.
1: <laughs> never meet them in person. I think it would be the they new. They can never leave dating. the
0: toilet seat up. They can never leave their clothes on the floor. Or any of those things that you bicker about. Yeah. How many kids? We didn't get into the personal. How many kids do you have? Um, so I have three kids. Three. Oh, I have. Oh. Mm-hmm,
1: I call my big, my little, and my middle. Um, and mostly because people on social media are crazy. Um, so. <laughs> My oldest, Nathan, he is 18. He'll be a freshman in college this year. So he will leave the nest and go to um, Arkansas. And then I have a 10-year-old little girl, Serena, and then a 7-year-old daughter, So, And they're entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. also. So my son launched a clothing brand um, this summer. Um, with a friend um, and then my daughters were they've been trying to figure out an idea for for a while and so they just came up with a really really cool one in relation to masks and it's not mask making but um, I probably shouldn't tell the idea but it's okay. Um, They want (laughs) to make um, they've created stickers for the mask so like our schools are going to have to wear them Um, so the kids are getting one but you 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 wanna, that's like, how you
0: show things. your personality for Yeah, so great. they're gonna,
1: they'll be um, themed, um, and then you can purchase them, and then you can change out your themed sticker mask every day. So they've come up with like I ten different, like theme sheets, and this is my ten and my seven-year-old. So they are, um, I think they've always been a part of my business. They come in and fold towels. Um, my son's helped me with like Instagram, um, lining up my stories. So I think when you make them a part of it and then they see your successes and your wins, they they really learn what entrepreneurship is and they see the hard times as well. So I think I have three um, entrepreneurs on my hands and I couldn't be more excited. And then my husband is a professor and he is very much grounded, um, but a big supporter um, in everything I do. So
0: I love that. I have two... Children both have chosen entrepreneurship as their major. So I tease them and I say, I could have saved a whole lot of money and told you that you were going to be an entrepreneur and you didn't need a university to give you that permission. But the college experience, as you know, is more than just what's in the books. It's the social, it's the, you know, getting along with other people, being able to do projects together, stuff like that. So you're really just paying for that. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Yes. that and a good party, but I hope, I hope that your son gets to go and I hope my son's a senior. So he doesn't know whether it's going to be all online or in person with a mask or what's going to happen. So fingers so crossed. Right, that they go. Yeah. So right now they're a small school,
1: so they're planning in person. So we'll, um, he's not dying to go. I think he's just not dying to go away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty independent now. Um, so I think he's going to miss us, but his roommate is dying to get there because his parents are driving him crazy, but Mm -hmm. he's been a great kid. So I don't like have to watch him all the time. So I I'm ready. It's been 18 years in the making. So
0: it's so hard with the first one now. Get ready. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So weird when you, when you're driving home after you drop them off, it just hits you all at once. You're just like oh my gosh, when am I going to see her? She's totally on her own. And there was a lot of tears on her part because we, we were like best friends. She was my yeah. girlfriend, you know? Yeah. So it's crazy. And then with him, he went further. She was Penn State, so she was still in our state, but it was like a three-hour drive. Mm-hmm. And he went to Florida, which is now why we live here. So it all worked out yeah. great. Okay. But he originally was, we had to fly to see each other. So And, then, and then your daughter is where now? She's back in PA, she actually took over my salon. So she has, she has all my former headaches, but she does a great job. She's, to your point, she's grown up being in there, answering the phone, towels, hearing about it nonstop. So it was pretty much in her blood to just fall into my shoes and take the reins, so she's doing a great job.
1: Now is she, she she manages, now is she behind the chair too or no? no? No, no, she doesn't do hair at all. No, but she knows the industry because she has you. Right.
0: Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. She gets drugged to every hair show. She does my projector and keeps me on pace and wrap it up. You got five minutes left. All that stuff. <laughs> So I feel like she could go in and do hair from watching my classes for so yeah. long. Yes. Uh, well, this has been an absolute pleasure. You and I would be able to talk. We would make this podcast four hours long. So let's plan to do it again. Once yeah. you get running with your... All Hair Academy, let's do an update on how things are going. Absolutely. And, uh, share the wins with everyone. And thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure to chat with you. I love well, thank this. you for having me, and I am super excited for this. Tell next people week. how to find you and All Hair Academy.
1: Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Crystal Hair and Makeup, um, and it's C H R Y S T A L and spelled out. And then you can find out how to get on the wait list for All Hair Academy at crystalhairandmakeup.com under um, Backscore Education. Um, And the course is five weeks long, so the next one will launch um, the end of, I think it's the 24th of August. Um, So when this one's over, there's a three-week break, and then I'm going back in.
0: Awesome. I'm excited for you. And I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.